Howdy. On October 7th, Hamas attacked Israel. Shortly after, I had the chance to speak with Josh Toll, a member of the Jewish community in Columbus. I was fortunate enough to have a personal conversation with him. Our discussion was extensive, so I've chosen to split it up into smaller segments for you. I feel this is the right time to release the first of those. And in these first, you will hear Josh share his thoughts and insights into Jewish culture and history. Later on, we get into the events of October 7th, specifically those attacks by Hamas and the subsequent and ongoing war in Gaza. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Josh as much as I did, and it's time to dive in on everything Trey. What do you know about Israel? I both know a lot. Like, I think I know more than the average person who just learned about, you know, World War II in high school or whatever. Um, and I only say that because I've watched some YouTube videos and whatever. Like, I am by no means an expert in any way. I don't want to get that twisted. Um, but at the same time, I'm also aware that I know almost nothing. Uh, I, I think in the Dunning-Kruger effect, the the yeah, peak of stupidity or whatever, is that you know what about that? No, no, tell me. Um, the Dunning-Kruger effect is basically the idea that people who don't know anything about anything mm. think they know a lot about a topic. Oh, yeah. But at a certain point, you reach a peak where you go, I know enough to realize I know nothing. Yeah. I think I'm real. just past the peak of going, I Got know it. everything about Israel, too. Sure. Oh, I know nothing. <laughs> Which kind of tells me I probably know a little bit more than the average person. Probably not enough to really no, go good. off here. No, um, you're good. You're but good. In, in terms of the current Israel yeah, yeah, yeah. conversation, For sure. I know that, was it August 7th? October, October 7th? 7th yeah. October 7th. Yeah. Um, even more recent than I thought. Right. There there was a horrific attack. I know a lot of people like to call it, you know, certain things. I, I think that kind of does it actually a certain amount of injustice to not just say it was the October 7th attack on Israel. That's yeah. what it was. It's its own event in history, quite frankly. Right. Um, and it was brutal and it was disgusting. And now we are in a very, very confusing time yeah. because of that. Um, yeah. And I don't I don't know what's real and what's not because, right. yeah. I, as we've talked about before we even got on here, uh, the news cycle on this yeah. is left and right. It's There's, brutal. It's brutal, yeah. So, um, yeah, that, no, that's, not much. <laughs> no, here we go, David. So that's a great place to start. Um, and I think that one of the most important things to say at this point is that um, people will talk about October 7th, and they will say this is the start of the conflict that, we're in, that we're in right now, the war that we're in right now. Um, but the truth is, is that um, there are a lot of people who also say, well, actually, you know, uh, this actually goes back 60 years. And the other people will say this actually goes back 75 years. I was, I've heard the 75 number. Mm -hmm. 75, yeah. yep. And people will also say it goes back 100 years. Well, David, here's the thing. It goes back 2,000 years, minimum. Fair enough. Yes. And so that's actually where I want to start because you can't talk about Israel without history. Yeah. Um, Israel is like the land of history, right? Right. Uh, Jews, Christians, Muslims, people of none of those faiths, they all have connections to this land going back thousands and thousands of years. Um, but I think one of the key moments is, and we're just talking history here, so we could go Bible, um, but, you know, Bible, some people believe it one way, some people believe it another way, some people yeah. don't believe it at all. So let's just talk about the shared history. 
So the shared history, I think like the key moments are, if we're talking back 586 BCE, this is when, so we're talking now 2,500 years ago, this is when the Jewish people are um, basically ruling the land in Israel. And we're going to call them, also we can just call them like the Israelites or the Judeans. You know, you can like yeah. put the historical terms on it. But there are the ancestors for people who are Jewish today. So the, the Hebrews, the Israelites, the Judeans, um, they're ruling this kingdom. And starting a couple centuries after um, this period of definitive rule, you have the beginnings of the breakdown of uh, Jewish rule in uh, the in the land of Israel, the place where Israel is today. You said this is circa five six hundred BC. Yes, and so that's like when we have like a definitive period of when Jewish rulership is happening. And here, like, I'm going to double check this because I want to make sure that I have my stuff first. Yeah, because I'm trying to in my head kind of put together where. Um, I, I don't remember like specific dates, but I have a general idea of kind of how things played out in like um, a lot of like pre-Latin history, mm -hmm. like ancient Rome and stuff right, like that. Exactly. Um, so I'm trying in my head to kind of think of like, um, so here's a perfect example is, is the era you're speaking of, is this around the time of um, Egyptian history in the area or is it Roman history in the era, in that area? So this is actually in between. Okay, um, that makes perfect yeah. sense to me, actually, because I know that there is a gap and that places me temporally right where I need to be. Yes. So let me let me clarify here. So there's a couple things that are happening. So we're going to just not even talk about, like, how did people who called themselves Israelites get to this land? Because that's where you get into biblical territory. That's where the historical record starts to break down, the agreed upon historical record, and you start having to rely on the Bible, and just a couple other things that aren't in the Bible, but are very significant. Right. It kind of um, goes beyond anthropology and yes, historical archaeology. stuff written down that we know. Exactly. And it's yes. it's a guess at that point. Yes. Yeah. So this is when we're starting to get into like the shared history of the world, where it's not based on Bible or it's partly based on Bible. But basically we have, so, and now I'm just like pulling up stuff here so that I can make sure that I'm getting it right. So 586 is when um, the first expulsion of the Jewish people from that land happens. So up until that point, they're ruling it, um, but it's like a, a troubled rule in the in the previous couple hundred years, and it's specifically the Babylonians. It's the Babylonians okay. who come in, they conquer Israel, they sack Jerusalem, they destroy the first temple, which was like the main place of this worship. This is first temple. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is first temple period, the main place of worship for Jews um, in that area and the surrounding areas. Um, and that's when um, the first set of Jews are expelled. And they're expelled into Babylonia, mean, meaning that they're heading east from the area of Jerusalem. So we're talking Iraq. Um, you know, uh, Afghanistan, that what area. used to be like Sumeria, exactly, like Tigris, exactly. Euphrates, stuff like that. Yes, okay. the, the Babylonian, the Mesopotamian worlds. Um, but it's at that same time that the that the roots of um, rulership are also established again. Um, so there's a core group of people who stay in Israel um, during that uh, captivity. Um, but there's also this elite that is created in the exile. So these are like the, the leaders who are sent into Babylonia who continue to lead their communities. And many centuries later, um, when uh, the Babylonian Empire starts to fall, 
um, you have the rise of Darius. And Darius is, he was uh, basically the king of the, um, uh, and I want to make sure I get it right here, but Darius was the king of the... Yeah, I'm learning something new right now. I don't think I've ever heard of Darius. He was a he was the he was the Persian king. So he was the Persian king. Hey, editor Trey here. Uh, in post, Josh and I realized he actually meant Cyrus, not Darius. Uh, so every time you hear Darius here, replace that with Cyrus in your head. And this is the basically this is the big kingdom that takes over for the Babylonians. Um, and Darius is a guy who he basically believes that all the peoples that he conquers they should still continue to worship in their own way. Um, he's kind of like the Romans in that sense. He like wants to incorporate everyone else's gods into like his pantheon. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's in 522 that, that Darius starts to rule. Um, and Darius, one of the first things he does, and so this is not hundreds of years later, I misspoke. This is just like 60-some, 40-some years later. Darius starts to say that actually... Um, the Jews should be able to worship in their own land, um, and so he encourages a return um, of some of those people to um, Israel, to the lands of Israel. And um, That's interesting. I've always wondered where the idea of exile and return yeah. keeps arising, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's and the beginning of And this is part of it, of it. yes. This, and we can go back <laughs> to the Bible for other versions of the exile and return narrative, but at least historically, this is like where it's starting to come from. Because at this point, I think in the modern day and age, we've had at least five major right. exiles or yes. exodus and return yes. to the Holy Land yes. by the Israeli people. Yes. Yes. Like, mm -hmm. I mean. Yeah, absolutely. No, this is definitely, <laughs> it's like in the DNA almost, you yeah. could say, is exile and return. It's part of the culture at this it point. It is part yeah. of the culture, absolutely. Um, and so uh, there is like a, a group of people that stays in the Babylonian Empire, um, and they are the first exile community of Israel that has major significance. And they will, con and they will go on to have really important significance um, in, the, in the modern era. But back in the land of Israel, Jews are now allowed to go back to start rebuilding, to start getting things together. Um, they eventually create a second temple um, to go over on top of the one that was destroyed by the Babylonians. And they basically begin um, mostly uninterrupted self-rule um, for many centuries. Um, obviously, they are, you know, under the Persian Empire, um, but it's pretty much, um, you know, rule as um, autonomous rule. But here we start getting into history that you know, David, you know, you have uh, Alexander the Great. And who is Alexander the Great's great nemesis? It's the Persians. Um, and this is how... Alexander the Great carves out his own empire by beating back the Persians, um, along with many other, you know, Greek rulers, um, and basically reestablishing control over um, a vast swath of land, including the land that includes the land of Israel now. Um, and at that point, this is actually when the rule in Israel starts to be um, more micromanaged than it had been previously. And it gets micromanaged to a point where um, Jewish people start to feel like they are actually not in control of their own of their own country anymore. And that leads to some of the most dramatic rebellions. Um, and, and this is now the period where the Greek Empire starts to become the Roman Empire. Um, so the right. Greco-Roman world, we say, right? And especially in the Mediterranean and places like Egypt, 
it was an interesting time period in which you have Roman rulers who are speaking Greek um, because Greek is the language of civilization um, that they recognize, even as the Roman Empire is now taking over, um, replacing the Greek Empire that had been before. Isn't a lot of, um, I guess you kind of said it, like a lot of the earliest knowledge base yeah. that's written down uh, that we actually have right. is in this yeah. this Greek language yes. and stuff, right? Greco, so, Greco-Roman literature, yeah, exactly. So that's kind of the era where, um, I think you kind of started to get at this, but like yeah. this is the history that yeah. we actually have like in textbooks and Absolutely stuff now. Absolutely a shared history, yeah. yeah. So, okay. you know, it's from the Roman senators, it's from, you know, the Greek writers. This is when we start to all have texts outside of, you know, biblical texts, outside of explicitly religious texts that are telling us about this time period. Um, and some of the most dramatic accounts uh, come from um, Josephus. And Josephus, he was um, basically a Roman Jew, who ends up pretty high in um, the ranks of uh, the Roman Empire. If I'm not mistaken, he becomes a general. Okay. But before he becomes a general, he is actually leading some of the rebellions um, of Jewish people against Roman rule. And it is in 70 CE that a group of zealots, basically, Jewish zealots, so re religious fanatics, essentially, they sure. become the driving force against their own empire, and Rome has to crush the response, officially, finally. And in 70 CE, Rome sacks Jerusalem, the center of the Jewish world, and destroys the temple, enslaves thousands of people, kills thousands of people, exiles thousands of people, um, until there's almost no presence left in the land. And then you have actually continuing rebellions of everyone who is still left in the land until um, the second century uh, of the modern era. So like 120, something like that. And that is some of the stuff that Josephus was involved in. Josephus was one of those rebels for being captured um, and basically deciding that he needed to stick with the guys who were winning. I mean, he remains Jewish and he, you know, chronicles in, in great detail uh, a lot of the, the victories and accomplishments, but basically he knows how history has turned. I mean, he's right. Um, so it's at that point between 70 and like 120, 136 that the, that the that Jerusalem is sacked. Jewish people are exiled from the land definitively. And then, you know, that's in the second century rebellions. Um, even the last final rebel rebels are also crushed and dispersed. Um, and that is where you begin the, the major modern period of Jewish exile. And this is when you get people um, sent in chains, some of them, some of their own free will, to North Africa, to modern Europe, to Spain, um, establishing the Jewish communities that will grow from there. And this is, again, where we now turn back to Babylonia, where that group of first exiles, they have had the longest time to build up, some 500 years, to build up their culture, to get established in the empires there. And essentially, they become the leading light of the Jewish world. And it, from that point forward, there's a continuous written record of communication between Jews in literally every place in the world. Wow. And, it be, and it's because of that power center in what was Babylonia. Hmm. Um, you know, Jews, they have a pretty strict religious code. Um, and that goes from your diet to how you get married to how um, you're buried even. Um, pretty right. much every point of life. Um, and 
Jewish people being, you know, uh, having lots of opinions. This is like a real thing. It's not a stereotype. We have tons, <laughs> tons of opinions. There's always debate about what those laws entail. And that is why there's this continuous contact because everyone wants to know, okay, you are the people who weren't dispersed. Your centers of learning weren't destroyed. So you tell us, like, how do we fulfill these laws? And so from that place that was Babylonia, sort of, again, talking about like Iraq, Afghanistan now, um, they are sending letters, missives, they're holding conferences, meetings with people from, again, like what becomes Morocco. Ethiopia has like a major Jewish population that goes back to this time period, um, to the beginnings of France, to the beginnings of Spain, all of those places. And that is how the Jewish world stays connected. And one of the things that also keeps the Jewish world connected um, are their prayers. So there are many prayers that go back to the biblical texts. So prayers that cite things from scriptures, prayers that are just, you know, uh, psalms, um, but, you know, set to new forms. Um, but what happens in this period, too, is that prayers start to be established um, that aren't just from the biblical era. Um, and those prayers are consolidated by people living in, Mesopot in, that, in that formerly Mesopotamian area um, who establish a set code of the prayers. And in those prayers, three times a day for a traditional Jewish person, for someone who is observant, is like the, the term we would use. Um, What's that term? Observant. Oh, so oh. they observe. Yes, it's a word I know. I thought for a second you said something <laughs> right. with like a p or something. I was like, this is a Jewish word that I don't know. No, 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 yes. Observant. <laughs> okay, observant. that's a word I know. Okay, it's meaning that they observe <laughs> all the laws. So from that point forward until today, an observant person, when they say their prayers, that means they're saying um, a prayer to return to Jerusalem three times a day, and when they pray, okay. they face Jerusalem. Um, so it's literally in. The, the founding text of, of the dispersion that like Jews want to be back in Israel. They want it to be rebuilt. They want to be back there. They want to be gathered in. And that's true all over the world. There's no Jewish community through until like the 18th century that is not praying for that and wishing for that every single day. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to like this episode. And to hear more of my conversation with Josh or to listen to other fun and interesting conversations, subscribe for more content and follow me and Everything Trey on social media to see when I release new episodes.